Hello and welcome to the Newsmax Daily Podcast. I'm your fill-in host for the week, Kay Smythe, all the way over here at Newsmax from the Daily Caller. I'll be taking over for Tony Marino for the whole week. It is Wednesday, October 18th, and we're having a busy morning here already. Last night, Newsmax hosts Rob Schmidt and Bianca De La Garza spoke to former Vice President Mike Pence, and he really didn't hold back when it came to his feelings about former President Donald Trump and, honestly, Pence's own hopes, I guess, for a potential presidency. I want to talk a little bit about former President Trump here for a moment. Um, He's in a lot of legal trouble as it stands. It's only made him stronger as a candidate in 2024, which I think speaks a lot to the kind of legal trouble that he's in and and what's being weaponized against him. I want to ask you, what do you think of the cases that are being alleged of the former president? And and do you think that they should matter to the American people? Well, uh, look, uh, when the FBI raided the home of a former president of the United States. I was among the first to denounce that. Look, I was, I was on the Judiciary Committee for many years. I understand how the Justice Department uh, is supposed to work. And there had to be, Rob, a dozen different ways to resolve the issue of classified documents uh, in, the, in the president's residence. I had dealings with that of my own after we did a voluntary search of our residence. And so it, it seemed to me to be a gross overreach. And I've also made it clear that, look, January 6th was a tragic day. I, I know that by God's grace, I did my duty that day under the Constitution of the United States. But I had hoped that issues around the president's conduct and actions on that day and leading up to that day would be left to the judgment of the American people uh, and not be brought into the courts of this country. I, 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 I trust the people of Iowa, the people of New Hampshire, the people of this country to sort out uh, the qualifications and the merits of all of us as candidates. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I, 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 I know the former president very well. Uh, we haven't talked in a while, but we, we used to talk and work together every day for the better part of, uh, of five years in a campaign and in our administration. Uh, I, I know that he can, he can defend himself in court, and I'm sure he'll continue to. But look, I, I, ultimately, I'd, I'd like to see these issues resolved uh, by voters, by the American people. And, and, uh, and if I'm president of the United States, I promise you, we're going to clean house of the entire top floor of the Justice Department on day one, and we're going to install not just an attorney general and a director of FDI, but but men and women of integrity at the highest levels of the Justice Department who people on both sides of the aisle will recognize are committed to the application and enforcement of the law without fear or favor or partisanship. I have no idea if Mike Pence will be president, but I did enjoy this next question from Bianca. And I think this question is actually far more important to all of you listening at home than almost anything else going on in the world right now. Almost anything else. You know, while this chaos rages internationally, our government has every opportunity to forget about what's going on here at home with our economy and the total mismanagement of Bidenomics or Biden's lack of economics, I guess we should call it, that has taken so much money out of your bank accounts. This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. So let's hear Mike Pence's plan to save the country from becoming a failed financial state. 
Let's talk about the economy and the Pence plan to cut the deficit, sir. You advocate that spending should be about one-fifth of the economy and limited sure. to that. And, you know, we have to ask, so what gets cut? Obviously, everyone is in favor of cuts, but not when it's their own pet project. So realistically, how would you get Congress to come on board and, and what stands to be on the chopping block? I mean, we're talking Social Security, Medicare, veterans benefits. What's your plan when it comes to those issues? Well, well, look, I know Congress well, um, and uh, having served there, and also uh, having worked with the legislature when I was governor and worked with the Congress when I was vice president, this all takes presidential leadership. Uh, if, if the American people are going to wait until Congress comes up with a plan to balance the budget uh, and to tackle the national debt, we're going to be waiting a really long time. Uh, because, because in a very real sense, I think this takes national leadership that goes to the American people and, and is, is straight with the people of this country about the debt crisis that we're facing. Look, Bidenomics is a total failure. Joe Biden came in. He spent $2 trillion in the name of COVID that was completely unnecessary. That launched the worst inflation in 40 years that's been literally robbing the pocketbooks and wallets of Americans uh, ever since the administration started. What you do is undo uh, the unnecessary spending of the Biden administration. I think you turn off about $3 trillion in spending. You freeze non-defense spending. But for heaven's sakes, Bianca, I have to tell you, and I'm, I'm, I think I was the first, and I'm still one of the few Republican candidates, that I, I am going to go to the American people with a plan for common sense and compassionate reforms that not only preserve Social Security for those that are in it today, but reduces the mountain range of debt facing our children and our grandchildren. I call it, uh, here's my plan. I, I pitched it in New Hampshire over the weekend and had some young people that liked it. Okay. I say to people, real simple, if you got hair the same color as me, these reform, we're, never, we're not going to change anything in Social Security. Right? If you're in retirement today, no change. If you're 40 years old or older, no change. But if you're under the age of 40, I'd like to have a conversation. Because the reality is that uh, if, if we don't reform these programs for younger Americans and change their trajectory of debt, that $33 trillion national debt becomes $150 trillion in 25 years. I think younger Americans are ready for that reform. And here's what I tell them. Last thought. I'll, I'll take this New Deal program of Social Security and I'll make you a better deal. Here's the better deal. If, if you, as a younger American, if you're willing to let me change the age that you retire, maybe put a means test in if you make, if you make a great living your whole life and you don't really need retirement support, in exchange for that, I'm going to let you take a portion of your Social Security payroll tax and put it in a personal savings account. Here's how it works. What we put into Social Security today, every one of us, we get back about a 1% return on that. But if I let you take a portion of your payroll tax and put it into a personal savings account, and it does 2%, you get to, you get to retirement, you, have, you actually have resources that are your own, and you've made twice the return that you would have gotten on Social Security. That's what I mean by saying you take a New Deal program, make it a better deal. But I'd take that to the American people, and that's the way that we head off the debt crisis, and I promise you that this national debt is the principal driver of inflation today. We can tackle inflation if we put our nation back on a path of fiscal responsibility and a balanced federal budget, and I will.
Okay, yeah, yeah, it's not a terrible idea, but I just think there are many, many better ways to manage your personal finances than letting the government get involved, but that's just me. Pivoting now to a conversation between Rob Schmidt and Laura Trump, who is one of my favorite women on the entire planet. Uh, But she's here today, or yesterday, I guess, with Newsmax to talk about another serious threat facing America as a result of the Hamas attacks on Israel. Let's listen to what she's got to say. Laura, good to have you back on. Um, This uh, massacre in Israel has created a very horrifying new reality uh, for the West uh, that we're all feeling now. Uh, We are surrounded, it seems, when you look at these protests, surrounded by people who are out protesting against Israel in this moment and showing at least a tacit support for the atrocities that were committed. And there are thousands of these people in places all over our own country. I think that shocks a lot of people. It better shock a lot of people. I mean, this is this is crazy. Who would have thought that in October of 2023, we'd find ourselves in a place like this where you have people who are openly supporting terrorists, who are openly supporting the beheading of babies, the murder of Jewish men, women, children, Holocaust survivors, kidnapping hostages. This is is really crazy stuff. But I think it just goes to show you how far gone things have become and how unhinged so much has has become really here in the United States of America. You know, you played a clip earlier of my father-in-law, Donald Trump, talking about his plan to keep America safe, his plan to make sure that here at home, we do not ever see something like, God forbid, what the, the Israelis had to go through happen. And unfortunately, you look around and you're right, Rob, thousands of people who are supporting this sort of thing, it makes you wonder, is one of them willing to do something? Are several of them willing to do something? Who, as your previous guest just talked about, has come up from the southern border who might want to cause harm here to Americans? It is a very frightening time, but I think what KG said is right. Not only do we need our government to stand strong in support of Israel, we as American citizens better speak up and speak loudly in our support of Israel because there is no way back. People used to try and say Donald Trump was going to start World War III. We never saw a more peaceful time in modern history than when Donald Trump was president. Right now, it feels like everything is escalating to a point we are actually on the verge of World War III. Powerful words there from Laura. But I really want to end the show today on what I think is probably one of the most powerful, cathartic rants I have ever ever heard, sorry, not a rant, let's call it a monologue. That's the professional term, right? We're supposed to call ranting monologues these days when we get paid to do it. Um, I still call it a rant. I'm a very ranty person. Uh, And another very ranty person is my very, very dear friend, Carl Higby over on Frontline. Excellent show every evening here on Newsmax. This was what Carl had to say during his monologue last night. And, uh, Well, you tell me, you tweet me and let me know if you think it's a monologue or a rant, whatever it is, it's brilliant. Our universities are a waste of money. Look, I I know some of you watching this are in this younger generation, maybe in college, but probably if you're watching the show, you're not an example of who I'm about to talk about. I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. Consider the next five minutes as much therapeutic for me as it is probably entertaining for you. But this 18 to 25-year-old generation is weak and overly educated with no concept of reality, period. 
We're seeing this play out across many universities with the support for Hamas. Oh, Carl, we support Palestine, not Hamas. It's pretty much the same thing. Look, for all these soft-handed academics who want to lecture me on ge geopolitical conflict, save it. I spent nine years enforcing U.S. foreign policy in a bunch of countries that hate us. I know what I'm talking about here. There's a high probability that your pot-smoking international studies professor is teaching you $60,000 a year worth of garbage. Hamas assumed political control of Gaza through elections and public support in 2006. Then they won a brief civil war and assumed even more power in 2007. So spare me the Hamas doesn't represent Palestine. It does. Literally. They were elected to. These overly educated kids, they don't care about that. Because look who's teaching them. This guy. If you have kids at Cornell, parents pull them out immediately. A professor there told students that he found the unprompted slaughtering of Israeli civilians, quote, exhilarating and energizing. And all the students are sitting around clapping like, oh, yeah, they joined in and chanting from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. Palestine is free. Well, it's about to be a parking lot, but it was free until he sent paragliders to shoot up a music festival in Israel. You see, a good professor would show their students the Oslo Accords, where Israel gave a two-state solution in exchange for peace. Now, Palestine was actually so free that, in fact, they're now cutting out the water pipes that Israel built for their infrastructure to turn into rocket launchers. This is what your kids are being spoon-fed in college, folks. It's not worth the money. I can't call someone the wrong pronoun on campus without getting thrown the heck out of the school, but you can chant in favor of terrorism. That's where we're at. We have a bunch of Greta Thunbergs running around lecturing us on stuff they know nothing about. And thank God, thank God the private sector is finally noticing this stuff. Billionaires, they're dropping Ivy League funding over failure to condemn Hamas. Good job, billionaires. Even though most of these schools have billions of dollars in endowments, but it's a good start. And even more, a dozen CEOs backed Bill Ackman's call to not hire Harvard students who blamed Israel for Hamas's attack. And all these students were like, wah, my actions have consequences? You mean I can't say whatever I want? Y you can, but guess what? Reality sets in. Companies are, companies are free not to hire you if they think you're a petulant, crazy child. Welcome to the real world. Uh, weird, I know, actions have consequences. But students are now freaking out because they're scared they won't be hired. These protesters got to learn fast. Stephen Davidoff Solomon, who teaches corporate law at UC Berkeley is actually begging corporations not to hire his law students. He wrote his own op-ed for the Wall Street Journal, claims that the hate that some of these students prompted towards Jews should disqualify them in job searches. And, and of course, victimhood, here we come. How are these social warriors responding? Ooh, send me money so I can get therapy for my disagreement with my support for terrorism. I mean, like, these people are unbelievable. Wham. If you saw any footage of this, 80% of these people are wearing masks, by the way, which I find hilarious at this stage. Here's an idea. Take your virtue signaling Harvard degree and earn the money for your own damn therapy. Oh, wait, you can't get a job because you say stupid things publicly. But 80 years ago, people in the same age range quit their jobs and joined the military to storm the beaches in Normandy to fight fascism and Nazis. Now we have kids supporting terrorists that espouse the views that are almost the exact same as Nazis and fascists. One of them even held up a swastika on his phone at a protest here in America. In, and this is all in between classes on microaggression, cultural insensitivity and inclusivity. 
They have majors in the absolute stupidest, least applicable garbage in the workforce. But the problem isn't what they spent the four years studying. I really could care less what major you had to sign up for to play beer pong on the weekend. It's when they get to the workforce that their art history, their ethnic studies, their philosophy degree or basket weaving or whatever else they got. And now they're forced to do work that actually matters, that affects a bottom line somewhere. And this new generation confuses being educated with intelligence and life experience, of which they have neither. They go, these universities, they get this left-wing BS rammed down their throat by some professor who's likely never worked a single day in the field that they're actually teaching. And then they get to the workforce and they proceed to demand accommodations and make policies that are a net value loss for the companies that they work for. The, the best example of this is Alyssa Heinerscheid who was a Harvard graduate, if you remember her, she was the young marketing genius who decided to put Dylan Mulvaney on a can of Bud Light. And when sales plummeted, she went on a podcast and proceeded to lecture the world on why she was right and everybody else is a bigot. Zero self-awareness. Look, I have no marketing degree. I don't even have a co regular college degree. But I can sure tell you that if you're the number one beer and you're on the hood of a NASCAR, running a marketing campaign to the transsexual community might alienate some of your drinkers. Just, just a thought. Hey, this would be funny if thousands of people didn't lose their job over it. But that's the cost of hiring this new academic generation. Oh, wow, Carl, you seem awful mad about this. Yes, I am very mad about this. I told you, this is a deeply therapeutic monologue for me tonight. I hate academia. You wonder why I'm mad? Because I'm paying for it. So are you. Both through Biden's ridiculous loan forgiveness for people who took out loans voluntarily and through the problems that the stupidity of this generation is causing in the workforce. Look, life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. And unfortunately, people are getting four-year degrees in stupid right now. I mean, he's not wrong. Listen, I went to university back in the UK and can fully concur it was a total waste of time and money. It was a great social experience, but I don't think it was worth the paper it was written on when it was all said and done. And as much as I love my career now, I wish someone had told me. I wish someone had told me when I was younger that I could become a a park ranger or something like that. Uh, I think that would have been a, I think that would have been a fun life. I also really weirdly like uh, building things. Like I know it's not the most feminine thing in the world, but I think I could have become a great contractor, um, even though I'm incredibly short. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. God had other plans. And you know what? God put me here today to tell you how important it is really that we unite at this moment in time and find leaders and find voices and just find our way through all of this darkness. I think that all jokes aside, all rants, all, all everything aside, I hope today that once you're done listening to the show that you can take some time for yourself, take some time with your family, uh, appreciate your community, appreciate everything that goes on around you and uh, you know, put in a good little prayer for the country and the world right now. And please remember to check out every new episode of the Newsmax Daily podcast and all the typical places you'll find your podcasts. All the stories from today's show can also be found on Newsmax.com. You can find all the clips on Rumble and YouTube, as well as all of your favorite social media platforms. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. 
Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.